0: vacation with our family. It's great that everybody in the family can come together and spend a week when my son's a pastor, and I'm a pastor, and my son-in-law is a doctor in the Air Force in Shreveport. Time to get away is always a sacrifice, but I want to encourage you, get together with your family, especially if you have grandkids. You know what I mean? It's a lot of fun together, and we're going to begin vacation Bible school with children tomorrow evening, correct? All right, so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do with you. That is a mission trip. That's a mission trip right here. For every child who comes in, you are going to be sharing the love of Jesus. You're going to be sharing the gospel with them through presentation of the message all the way through. If you are working in VBS, we want to prayerfully commission you. Would you please stand? If you're working and giving out refreshments, if you're doing recreation, if you're a teacher, if you're just leading group around, stand, stand, and please stay standing. I want you to look around. I want everybody to look around. Pick out, pick out somebody that you know from here at Skyline, and I want you to commit to pray for them every day, because you know what? They're going to get tired. They're going to work all day. They're going to come and do this mission trip in the evening. They're going to be tired and have to get ready for the next night. We want boys and girls to hear the gospel, to be moved along in the process to where one day, God willing, they will say, yes, Lord Jesus. I believe what you did for me. I invite you into my life. So let's, let's pray for them, okay? Father, I thank you for each of these who are willing to work in Vacation Bible School here at Skyline Baptist. We're not the only church who does this, but Father, there will be boys and girls who will come here, some from the church, some from outside the church because they're invited by those who are here. And Father, we pray that throughout this week in the evenings as Vacation Bible School goes on, that you would give Tammy great wisdom as the administrator leading Vacation Bible School, Father, they just just came here. They're new here. This is her first time to lead these workers. So I pray that you would give her wisdom in administrating. Uh, Father, if there are things that pop up that need to be taken care of, that you'd give her wisdom in how to take care of that. Father, I pray you would provide servants around her to help take care of all of those things. Father, we pray for moms and dads as well as the children who come. Father, I I pray that somehow we will be able to build a relationship with them throughout this week, that in the coming weeks and months to come, those relationships can blossom, and we will see some want to come just be with us because they like it here. But most of all, Jesus, they would fall in love with you. They'd fall in love with you living your life through each of us. That they would glorify and honor you. That they would ask the questions that we might give an account of the hope that lies within us with gentleness and respect. Glorify and honor them this week. It's about you. We want to fall down before your glory and ask you to do the work for you to draw them to your son Jesus, for you to show mercy and grace and compassion, to light up the hearts of boys and girls, who come here this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank you. Take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the book of Colossians. The two theme verses for Vacation Bible School are chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16. There is so much here. I don't know how we somehow pick out verses in the middle of the context that's larger And still give due diligence, but I'm going to do my best with this uh, for for us today. Uh, And while you're turning there, I want you to be ready for Sunday evening, starting this evening at 5 o'clock. We're going to be going through Psalm 139. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the omniscience of God, that God knows everything. That can be scary or it can be wonderful. And when we realize what Psalm 139 says, that he knows about us, it will be scary, but in light of it, he shows his mercy and his compassion on us. Next week, we'll be dealing with the second six verses, first six verses tonight, second six verses, are going to talk about the omnipresence of God, the fact that he's everywhere, there's nowhere I can go and get away from Him. The next week, we're going to come back on Father's Day on that Sunday evening, and we're going to be dealing with the the next six verses, and it deals with uh, the omnipotence of God, how He is all-powerful with everything He does in our life. And we're going to end up with the last six verses about the omnibenevolence, the goodness of God, despite the wickedness that is down inside our heart, He shows His mercy to us. I think you will fall in love with Psalm 139. If you have all over again, if you haven't yet, it will become one of your favorites. So look forward to that on Sunday. I don't even know where we meet on Sunday evenings yet. Youth room. I don't even know where the youth room is. Not tonight? tonight. Down here tonight? up Up there, there's a room. Come, we will help you find. They will help make sure I get there. Okay? Here we go. Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Let me just read a little bit before this, coming into this. I want to begin in verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you. of the saints in life. You do realize he's qualified you to be saved. You didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. I can't be good enough. He's qualified us through Christ and his shed blood. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 15 and 16. He, that is the beloved Son, the previous He in verse 13, is the Father. This He is the Son, is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Father, I pray You'll take Your Word and You'll stir it deep in our hearts that we might recognize it and acknowledge it for what it is. or acknowledge You, Jesus, for who You are and what You have done. And the fact that even my existence here is due to Your goodness in my life. Lord, we love You and we bless You in Jesus' name. Amen. He begins, he is. If I were to title this, I'd probably say, he is and he has. He is and he has done this. He is, it's the present indicative. It's continuous action, the the verb is. What he's saying is, this is constant. This is constantly taking place. It's not just that. In a moment or in an instant in his life, the aorist tense, in a, a moment of time. This is present tense. In the original language, it means it's continuous action. He is continuously the image. He always has been. He always will be. He is right now. He is the image of the invisible God. Isn't that awesome? I mean... If I want to know what God, the invisible God, God the Father, is like, whom no one has seen but the Son, when He says over in um, John chapter, 15, uh, 14, chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you so, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am there you may be also and where i go you know and the way you know and of course they say we don't know where you're going how do we know the way and jesus says in verse six i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me and he carries on this dialogue with philip and philip simply says and asks the question just simply so is the father and he says have you been with me this long and you don't know already when you have seen me you have seen the father jesus is the image of the invisible god what does that mean i mean i can't see jesus now can you i know he's there but the way I know him is through reading in the Gospels how he lived his life. The word image means the stamp, the engraving, the, the uh, uh, what's it called when you do it to a cattle? The brand. He is the image of God. Everything about Jesus is about the Father. It's about the invisible God. And and so if we just read through the Gospels and and see Jesus with the omnipotent power that when he's asleep in the storm in the back of the ship and and it's sailing through and he has told his disciples, let's go to the other side. And so he lays down in the back on the pillows and he falls asleep and the storm raises and these, many of them are experienced fishermen. And and the storm comes and the wind's blowing and the waves are beating over And they're scared to death. They are afraid they're going to die. And they wake Jesus up. Don't you care? Jesus gets up. And immediately, the wind stops, the waves stop, the sea is calm. He simply says to them, O ye of little faith, They start talking to each other. Who is this? That he can even speak to the wind and the waves, and they obey him. He is the image of the Father. There is nothing the Father cannot do. He, He is in charge over the demons. Even they reckon they get it. When men didn't get it, the demons got it. When they get to the other side of the sea from the storm, He comes up on land. Jesus gets out, out of the tombs, comes running, this demoniac, this man who has been demon-possessed by a legion of demons. He comes running, falls on his knees before Jesus, said, Have you, holy one of God, have you come to destroy us before our time? We know who you are. They knew, and he told them to hush. They simply said, here are these swine. Here's this herd. Send this out to them. Jesus says, go. They go. They run in. This man who was bound with chains would break them, with ropes would break them, who was cutting himself with stones and with glass, this man that no one could bind would fall at Jesus' feet and worship him and bow to him. When they came back, the townspeople they saw the swang gone. they saw him sitting in his right mind fully clothed they were afraid they asked jesus to leave sometimes individuals see the awesome power god and they don't understand it and they push him away from them so jesus leaves this individual wants to follow because he is the express image of god with what god the father's will is he says no can you imagine wanting to follow jesus and jesus saying no you can't i want you to go back to your hometown and tell them what wonderful things god has done for you next time we hear of this location he goes to the decapolis that is the area of ten cities And he comes back, and there are 4,000 there waiting to meet him. And he feeds them and shares the gospel. Sounds like he got it right, didn't he? The compassion of Jesus, whether we would go to his understanding and weeping in John chapter 11, when he knew that this is not death, sickness unto death, but for the glory of God and so he talks to Martha, he talks with Mary, he goes to the tomb, he says, roll the stone away. He hears them weeping, and Jesus' says, compassion says, Jesus wept. God the Father weeps when we weep. weep. That's why you can say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when one has a heartache, we all share the tears. When one has a victory, we all share in the rejoicing. Whatever you read about Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that is an expression of who the Father is. He is the express image. This is not the only place. Let, let, let me read over in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. Over and over and over. We could go to Revelation chapter 4. We could go to Genesis chapter 1. We could go to Proverbs chapter 8 all of them speak of the fact that he is the image of the invisible God. He is, present tense, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, here's where a lot of people, here's where the Colossians had a struggle because they were taking the fact that he was the firstborn as though he was the first one to be created in their religion that they had formed that Paul was combating, they were saying Jesus, God's son, could not have become flesh and blood because the body, the flesh and blood were evil, were wicked. And God would never take that on himself. It would never be a part of who he was. And so Paul addresses that and says he's the firstborn. This word in the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, is used six times. It's only used once of somebody actually being born first. Five times it is used a priority over something else. Solomon certainly was not David's first child. He wasn't his firstborn son, but yet he was in the position of firstborn. For firstborn would inherit the kingdom and everything David had. Over in Jacob and Esau, we know which one was born first, Esau. And yet Jacob received the blessing and became the firstborn, inheriting what the father Jacob had for him he wasn't the firstborn but he had priority over his brother Esau because that was God's will God is saying by saying he is the firstborn firstborn among all creation he is over all creation now let's just look at it this way now if he is creator then he wasn't born Look, look with me. Proverbs. Let me just read this. Proverbs chapter 8. I'm going to begin reading verse 22. This, as you read it, the word wisdom is used. But listen to how much it is about Jesus. Verse 22, Proverbs chapter 8. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields are the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Jesus was there. What, what, what if I were to read John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, and everything that was created was created by Him, and without Him was nothing created that has been created. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. and We beheld Him as the glory of the only begotten Son of God. Whether I would Read. Let me just say Philippians 2, verse 5. You know what it says. Those who followed Christ, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, of God the Father. He is, in that sense of order, over all creation. All of the invisible things of God. He is His image. He is the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16. For by Him, that is, by Jesus, all things were created. Does that sound like John chapter 1? For by Him, all things were created aorist tense now a moment ago I said present tense meant what continuous action aorist tense means a point in time and so what this is saying is for by him all things were created boom done now, Jesus is the Word. When we go to Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And He did it with what? His Word. When we get to verse 3, it says that He said, When well, the ESV it says, Let there be light. In the Hebrew, it's one word. It's not let there be light. It's in the evocative tense of the Hebrew. And it, 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 he simply says this, light, and there's light, seas, there were seas, mountains, fish, birds. It was spoken into being by God through the Word, by God. So verse 16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Here here were the Colossians. As you read the book, to Colossians, they had this voluntary worshiping of angels, right, in Colossae. And Paul was addressing that saying, as he does later, that Jesus is so much higher than the angels. In Hebrews chapter 1, he is so much before and higher than the angels that the angels worshipped him. We don't worship the angels. We fall down and worship him. Thank you, Mike, for that song. We fall down and worship him, Jesus. All of these thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities... Does it somewhat sound like Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 and following? When he's going to start talking about putting on the whole armor of God, he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of darkness in high places. All of these words that Paul is using are words that they had for, for the 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 secret, the invisible levels of authority. Remember the book of Daniel, chapter 9? In Daniel, chapter 9, Daniel has been praying, and he's been fasting 21 days. He asked God to reveal the truth to this vision to him. 21 days later, he gets the answer. An angel comes to him and delivers him the message and says, God heard you the moment you prayed. I was dispatched to bring you the answer, but the prince of Persia, a demonic, angelic force, presence in the heavenlies, resisted me, and I had to wait for Michael, the archangel, to come and take over for me to be released to bring you the answer. Paul is telling them in their own language all of these things that you're bowing down to, all of these things that you're worshiping, Jesus is over all of them. Jesus has created them. For all things were created, as it says in verse 16, all things were created through him and for him. Now, notice the beginning of verse 16, it says, all things were created, ares tense. All of a sudden, it's all things were created, perfect, passive, indicative. Perfect tense means they stand having been created by him. They will forever have been created by him. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. He is over it all. They were created through Him. God the Father, back in Genesis, spoke the Word. So through the Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. Through the Word of God, God created everything. Everything visible and invisible. Everything in heaven, everything on earth. Every power, principality, ruler, darkness, of high places, all of it, every authority was created by Jesus. And you're in here having followed Jesus for a while and you say, I knew that. I knew that. The Mormons don't. Jehovah's Witness don't Colossians didn't there are people who don't know that he is and he has he is the image and he has created all things they were created through him what's the last two words Thank you. For him. Stop and think about that. Everything that you see was created for him. For him. For you? For him. For me? For him. I was created for him. You were created for him. Those of you who were in there, and I told my testimony during the Sunday school hour. For 20 years of my life, though I was created for him, I was living for me. Right? That's what I was doing before Christ. I was living for me. And then that moment came when I recognized I wasn't for me. I was for him. And the only way that I will fulfill the purpose he has for me is if I recognize that and I... Whatever verbiage you want to use. I... Give myself to him. I recognize his claim on my life. He draws me to himself. I say, I'm yours. You are Lord. You are Master. You are King. I am for you. Take my life. Change my life. Make my life count for you. I am for you. I'm not for my spouse. I'm not for my children. I'm not for my grandchildren. I'm not for the world. I am for Jesus. And the only way I will fulfill my purpose is by being given to Jesus. One of the things we will learn in Psalm 139, the third week that we're into it, is that he says, Every day prepared for me was written in his book before I took my first breath that means every day that I'm breathing in and breathing out what he intended for my life to be what he was going to use me for has been written in his book before I took my first breath, today is in his book. Tomorrow is in his book. Next year is in his book. As long as I have breath in these lungs, my life is for him, not for me. So, my question. My only conclusion I can come to, the only question I can ask you this morning, are you living your life for him? Are you waking up every morning saying, Lord, it's so good to be yours. I'm yours. This day is yours. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. This day is yours. My life is yours. These lungs are yours. This brain is yours. These emotions are yours. These skills are are yours. You have done all of that in me when you fashioned me in my mother's womb. All of that is yours. I am yours. You know what? We forget. We might say it first thing in the morning and come along at 10 o'clock after a phone call or two. We forget. After a surprise email or two, all of a sudden, we can real quickly forget. I'm his. I'm for him. Are you? If you have the desire that your life is for him and you've not yet just said, please take me. I I don't know how you do it. I don't understand that. But I want to follow Jesus. Jesus. Father, through Jesus, you said, I am for him. He, he created me. I, I am yours. Maybe maybe you just say it like, Jesus, today I want to be yours. I'm for yours. It's not like there's a transaction taking place. I'm already created for you. I want this mind to be yours. I want these hands to be yours. I want these emotions to be yours. I want my life to be yours if you've never done that in your life that really is in in many ways a description of what it means to begin to follow Jesus with your life to give him all there is of you to all there is of him you don't know what that means at the beginning. You don't know what the outcome's going to be or what it might be a year from now or 5 years from now or 10 years from now. All you know is right now his claim is on you and you must the best you know how give your life to him. That's what's needed. This day, you can begin following Jesus. If he's drawing you. Tell him yes. Tell him yes. Tell him yes. I'm going to be standing in front. Others are going to be able to come and pray with you. If, if somebody comes to me and talks to me, don't wait. Come. Somebody else will help you. There are those who are trained to answer your questions. Brother Micah said, if you just need to come and kneel at the go to that side. We won't bother you. Okay? Just come do business with God on that side. I want to be standing in front. Carl is here. We want you to be for Jesus with your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us and giving us eternal life. Jesus, giving your life in obedience to the Father that we might have that calling from you to come to you. Do your work in our life. Change our lives. Make our lives count for you. Be our Lord, our Master, our King. You are our Creator. You are king. You are Lord. You said, I was created for you. So I give myself to you fresh this day. Somebody here may give themselves to you for the very first time. May they do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As they play, let's stand. You feel free. Come.